Hey, welcome to Being Creative. My name is Rick Leaf. As you know, I am the host of this show where we explore the value of creativity through stories of successes and failures of people like us or not like us at all. This week's episode is about ideas with creative potential. What to do with them? what not to do with them, why they're important, but why they're not sacred either. One of the most important things I've learned, and to really make my point, I'm going to break the one rule I never break, all for you, my dear listener, because I think that the successes of others can inspire us, but I know that failures and struggles are something we can all relate to. So for the sake of deepening our bond of understanding and connection, I'm going to continue sharing sharing the darkest moments of my journey because no matter who you are, where you are, what you do or who you do it with, you dirty little rascals, I think I know. The struggle is the place we meet. It's the rubber and the road and all that jazz. So let's go. I'm glad you're here. Well, You know what? I am glad you're here. And uh, let's jump right into it. So ideas with creative potential. This is is something that's obviously really, really important to me as somebody who um, I I make my living being creative, uh, which comes down to problem solving. And sometimes it involves team building and... um, ultimately, you know, resiliency and whatever, all these different applications of being creative. Um, And I think uh, right off the bat here, I might muddy the waters a little bit because I've always uh, said that, um, you know, being creative uh, isn't necessarily have anything to do with um, being artistic which is absolutely true. Uh, And to not clear, you know, um, confuse the issue, I am going to use music as an example right off the bat here of of what I've learned about the creative potential of ideas. And and let's start with just like what um, not to do with creative ideas, whatever they might happen to be. So if you know me at all, uh, I started off my career as a, as a songwriter uh, and a performer. So, you know, way back in the day of the Plasticine era with, uh, you know, dinosaurs and, and whatever. Uh, back when we actually used to make albums, I honestly, the first album I was involved in, we actually were still producing tapes and CDs. So that's how long ago that was. Um, but... You know, so I started off as a songwriter and I've written hundreds of songs in my life. Like, I've probably forgotten more songs that I've personally written. I've forgotten how to sing or play them or what the lyrics would be than a lot of people would probably even write in their entire life just because that's what I do and that's what I've done for 20 some years. And just out of interest for myself, uh, because, you know, how, how as a as a songwriter, um, 
and I admit this to students when I'm in schools all the time, I never had a lesson. I play about 10 instruments-ish uh, somewhere in that ballpark professionally. I've recorded on albums playing these uh, instruments. Uh, I've never had a lesson. I don't know how to read music so that if I'm going to uh, write a piece of music, if I get an idea or an inspiration, the only way for me to remember that, I can't write it down or write any kind of tab or notes that wouldn't make sense to me. So what I do is sing them into my phone. And uh, just getting ready to start this little episode here, I thought, you know what, I wonder how many song ideas I have in my phone right now. My phone would be different from my iPad. That would have its own collection. And so would my laptop have it, its own collection. And so would my desk, uh, my iMac. So I counted 184 song ideas on my phone alone. So I might be about that much on all of those other devices as well. And uh, I'm going to play you a couple of these ideas uh, just out of curiosity. Maybe you're a songwriter um, out there and I don't know what your process is. I'm always excited and, and interested to learn how other people do it. Um, so I'm just holding my phone up here. I'm just going to play this one says, um, school song C and R. And that to me, I know means uh, a call and response. So it's an idea that I've recorded into my phone that might be when I do one of my school projects and I, you know, spend the first day brainstorming, I'm going to go back to where I stay and I'm going to need to write a song that night. I'm going to be sifting through some of these different ideas that I have to see which one might work. So let's just see what this one sounds like. Open G, capo on five, uh, looking for the uh, call and response. Okay, so in case you're wondering, there, there was no words involved in that. <laughs> uh, that's all about the melody and the chord progression. And I throw in all that phonetic singing to kind of help myself, my future self, imagine <clears throat> the rhythm of how this might go. So like, oh, and then, you know, I would imagine the students singing. Uh, the response to that, and I'd be able to build that off. Uh, before I even tell you why uh, nobody ever gets to hear these ideas, I'm going to play one more. I'm just scrolling down. This one says regular tune, capo six, low vocal. Um, so I write in a number of different instruments. So sometimes I'm going to say this is a rav idea. Sometimes I'm going to say there's a piano idea or a guitar. <clears throat> I also play my guitar in different tunings. So some, that's why I'm going to tell myself this is in regular tuning or this is open G or this is open D or this is dadgad or whatever it happens to be so that I can figure out how to play. Could be months or when was this? This was recorded June 7th, 2021. So... That is almost a year ago. What's this one sound like? It's regular tuning, but uh, capo's on six, and I'm like... Witnesses the night, 
Let's see where it goes from here. So it's going to be a B part here. All right, let's stop that. Okay. 184 files just like that. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you what I've learned over the years that you don't want to do. So I'm going to say those are uh, those songs. Well, they're not songs, right? They're just potential. They're potential songs. And there's a huge difference between a creative idea that is fully matured and is out there ready to be evaluated and baby ideas. The reason, one of the biggest things I've learned over the years, you know, you get excited. If you're like me and you like creative ideas and you like, um, yeah, just that, that moment of inspiration and capturing it and imagining where it might go. To me, that's what's really exciting. And that's why I would have 184 of those little captured moments. Somebody else might just be noodling on their guitar and just think, well, that was for the moment. And sometimes it is. But I love those moments. And I've realized eventually, somewhere down the line, that little moment of inspiration, that little progression, that pattern might actually lead to an actual song. It's not a song right now. It's just you know what I mean? Uh, we, so somebody like myself who likes these ideas, who loves um, you know, the, that moment of inspiration and the energy and the excitement, what do I want to do? I want to go share that with somebody. I want to see if they, I want to share my excitement and my enthusiasm because we naturally do that. We naturally praise the things that we love. Uh, so, and, and by that very process of sharing that with somebody, we kind of encourage them to do the same. It's, it's if we watch a good movie, you watch a show on Netflix, you have a great meal at a restaurant. What do you want to do? You want to go tell somebody about it. You want to tell somebody how amazing that meal was so that what? They'll go to the restaurant and they'll order that meal and they can come back and say, oh, my gosh, you're right. That was absolutely delicious. And you can you share the things that you love. And I, I understand why we want to do that. Here's why you don't necessarily want to do that or why maturity has taught me not to do that. It's like if you're not a songwriter and you've never uh, written a song, you don't live with a songwriter, your friends aren't songwriters, so that you've never heard the process, your experience with music would then be you've heard uh, finished songs, completed songs. You've heard songs that have gone through the process, they've been developed, they've been written and produced, recorded, performed, maybe hundreds of times before you ever get to hear it. So your experience with an idea like that would be the fully formed and mature grown-up, I'll just call him an adult idea. You're used to uh, evaluating and experiencing 
adult ideas. And here I come along with a little baby idea, a little infant idea, barely out of the creative womb, really. And I'm going to play it for you. And what are you going to do? Well, you're going to evaluate that infant idea with the criteria uh, that you would have as your frame of reference, which is adult ideas. And so you're just like, I don't know, man, that sounds like crap. Like, that sounds stupid. That sounds terrible. I, I don't I don't hear what you're doing. Uh, that's why when we are working creatively and in and, and all of these different aspects, whether it's, you know, trying to like come up with a creative solution to conflict that's happening in your relationship or your family or your house or your organization or your workplace or whatever, or, or, or any of these different ap applications of creativity and creative thought. When you take your infant idea and before it's time, before it's had its ability to grow up and, and gain some traction, you share it with somebody who's going to evaluate it beyond any capacity to stand on its own. Now, that's not to say that we just want to sit in our little cubicle by ourselves and keep our ideas to ourselves, because that doesn't work either. What you need is that safe and supportive environment that can be one other person. You know, in a, in a sense of a songwriter, it's going to be when I bring my infant song idea to my business partner, MJ, who has worked with uh, hundreds of artists, I'm sure, over her career, myself included. She's heard ideas in all of their infancy and in all of their development so that she can hear uh, the potential of the song. So if she says, yeah, that's great, she doesn't mean that's great right now, what I just played her. She's like, yeah, I hear the potential in that idea as well. And that's where we need to find in our organizations or in our life somehow to be creative. We need sounding boards and we need those places and people who can hear the potential, see the potential in the ideas and the solutions that we're coming up with to help work through uh, the development of those ideas to, to get them to that adult phase uh, so that we can actually invest in them, so that we can actually begin to implement them. Uh, years ago, I had this, uh, many of you listening would know the name Bruce Coburn. He's a, a pretty famous Canadian singer-songwriter, artist um, from either the 60s, definitely the 70s and 80s and on. Uh, I did have the chance to meet him in Kosovo uh, many years ago. The Foreign Affairs Department of Canada sent my band, Tribe of One, uh, to Kosovo and Macedonia right after the war in, like, 99. And, uh, and we were part of this United Nations uh, event called The Return, and it was opening of the National Theater. It was, it was really a fascinating uh, tour and time and experience for us, you know, uh, I didn't know a lot of the experience of the Albanian people in Kosovo when they were all part of, you know, that kind of uh, Serbia, um, whatever, the, just the whole, the whole history. I didn't realize, you know, when we, we met a bunch of university students, when we got there for this event, they started giving us this tour around Pristina and, and uh, 
they were telling us, yeah, for like 10 years, like, you know, we weren't allowed to speak our own language. We weren't allowed to go out on the streets and be in groups of more than I, I think it was six or eight people. We weren't allowed to, you know, go to school or, or learn our own language. And they weren't allowed in the theaters. Uh, they were allowed to be stagehands, but never to be directors or producers or writers or actors. And you realized, we realized at that moment, the power of culture, the power that, you know, in that sense of your national sovereignty and identity and pride and to subjugate a people or um, a place to rob them of that cultural expression, how powerful that was. And uh, it was on that trip that we met Bruce Coburn. He was one of the uh, other Canadian artists, along with the Men of the Deeps. Uh, it was a, a group of coal miners <laughs> from Cape Breton um, who, yeah, they have a choir and they sing and it was really amazing. And so that was it, Tribe of One, Bruce Coburn and the Men of the Deeps were the Canadians uh, at this United Nations event. And anyway, had opportunities to meet Bruce, to talk with him, uh, we played, you know, obviously we knew, we knew him, uh, he would never have known us at the time. And so we had all of this, you know, great connect connection. And I met him a couple times back in Canada as he was touring and I would maybe be in the same city. I remember once in Guelph, I was on tour and I saw that he was on tour. So I just let his tour manager know, and we managed to meet up after the show. And it was just those kind of fun, um, connections, but because of that, because of those uh, ideas, then the war in Afghanistan happens. And I don't know, I just, I had, whatever I was working on at the time, I was living in Winnipeg at the time, and whatever I was doing, I thought, you know, uh, I've never done this. I know that Bob Hope does it. I know that, you know, did it. Uh, I know that a lot of different um, U.S. Um, performers and entertainers would go to, you know, areas of conflict around the world and play for the troops. And I was just like, you know what, I've never thought of doing that. But I believe that my music and my art and I, art and music in general, but also mine personally, I felt like it had relevance to these types of, you know, experiences in our life. And I was like, you know what, I should contact Bruce Coburn's manager or his record company and, and try to get in touch with him personally and see whether if I was to um, submit a, a grant or a proposal to the Canadian government or to one, whoever I would direct it to, um, I wonder if he would want to go to Afghanistan together and shoot a bit of a documentary about artists and going and, and spending time with troops and, and talking and, and what their experiences were, being away from the families and, and their loved ones and life in Canada and what would that be like for us as artists, you know, relating or not being able to relate. And, and uh, here's what I did. I took that infant idea and... In the process of just my life, uh, there was an artist, a guy in Winnipeg, an older gentleman who was kind of becoming a bit of a mentor to me. And in one of our weekly or monthly meetings, I trotted down to his place and Bob was a, a political cartoonist and he was very active with Canadian Dimension magazine and he'd done lots of kind of political things, his artwork and everything else. And in the course of talking about it, I was just like, I had this idea. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about talking to him, you know, trying to track down Bruce Coburn to see if you want to go to Afghanistan and play it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I share my little infant 
idea. And I remember Bob looked across the, the room at me, and I thought he would be as excited about it as I was. Like, oh, yeah, that'd be, like, really great. That'd be fantastic. And he's like, well, what? Like, as if. Like, Bruce Coburn doesn't want to go to a play for the military. He isn't going to want to go to the play for the army and support, like, this, you know, act of aggression of this, you know, G7 country in Afghanistan. He's not going to support that. He's not going to want to be there. And he was really just crapped all over my idea. <laughs> and I remember just going, oh, yeah, what was this stupid idea? What was I thinking? Okay. Can you see what I just did? I took an idea that wasn't fleshed out. I hadn't written the proposal yet. And I shared it with somebody who's not in the business of evaluating ideas on the basis of like, is this an infant idea or an adult idea? So you're going to present an idea in a situation like that. And they're going to uh, approach it like it's an adult idea. Like uh, this is what I've approached, you know, pitched to an art council or the government or something. And he evaluated in that way. It wasn't fleshed out. And I did, hadn't talked to the other artist and I didn't have a timeline or a budget or any other things that would go into actually presenting that idea officially and he evaluated kind of you know looking back on it um I realized yeah that was totally on me legit for him for having that response here's the thing here's the kicker because I shared the idea in the wrong time at the wrong place with the wrong person because of probably I'm looking for validation that maybe I have some sense of something worth you know um, celebrating uh, I just gave up on it. Didn't even try it. Never did try to track Bruce Coburn down or talk to anybody's label. Never did try to talk to the government at all. Guess what happened six months later? I pick up the newspaper. Bruce Coburn going to Afghanistan to play for the troops by him frigging south. <laughs> I could have been long. Maybe I could have been along. Certainly the timeline would have put, you know, it takes a long time to put those kind of ideas together. It very well could have been that I would have presented that idea at the exact same time that somebody else was thinking about it. And they would have been like, you know what? Yeah. Coburn did meet this guy over in, in uh, Kosovo. Yeah, it makes sense, like, whatever, what do you think, Bruce? You know, it could have all happened, but I shared the idea with the wrong person at the wrong time for my own immature reasons, and for that reason, it went nowhere. So when we're talking about ideas with creative potential, you have to uh, protect your infant. You have to guard... Um, the idea and the stage of which your idea is at. It's not for everyone to know immediately when you have that idea. Uh, you do need that safe and supportive place. That can even be one person. And you know what? Um, my partner isn't here, but I think lots of times we've realized my, uh, my family is not those are just because they're my family and we're the closest relationally, um, those the closest, you know, personal relationships that I have, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is the person uh, that you should be sharing your infant ideas of creative potential that need some um, 
fleshing out. In fact, depending on what your idea is or in what application it is, it might not even be the same person. You might have somebody at work on a human resources level. This is a, an idea that you have. There might be a specific person that's ideal to pitch that idea to as an infant who will help you to develop that. There could be another practical idea that involves infrastructure or, you know, software or hardware or some, you know, capital investment. That could be a completely different person that you need to help develop that idea. And recognizing that if you're, we are all creative people, but if you're, if, if it's your idea that you're bringing forward. You have to look at yourself like you're a guardian of this. You're nurturing this idea, this infant idea. And you need to there's there, take all of the parenting uh, analogies or examples or, or imagery that you want. It really is that. You, you have to protect it. You also have to make sure that, you know, it's learning to stand on its own two feet. You have to... Um, create the environment that will be a healthy place for that idea to mature. One of like the pendulum on the other wing would be you get a great idea. You have it and your insecurity stops you from sharing it with anybody because a lot of times we'll get tied up with our own personal identity with the success or the failure of this creative idea. And, and I really, in your own journey, whatever you happen to be doing in whatever you know industry or, or application, you're going to take all of this story and apply it to your own life. Uh, we need to have that sense of separation. You know, uh, if your idea doesn't come to fruition, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're not creative. It doesn't mean you didn't have a great idea. It doesn't mean you're not brilliant or innovative or capable of facing the challenges in your life. None of that is what we're talking about. But I know that there's a lot of insecurity that comes with sharing that. And I think there's the, the, the double whammy. It's like, are you sharing it with the right person or are you sharing it in a hostile environment? Uh, once you know, now this person has proven themselves to be faithful and trustworthy and a safe, supportive place. They want my success. I want their success. We all want the success of our organization or our company or whatever it happens to be. When you have that person, then you need to recognize, look, I need to, uh, I need to hold these ideas with an open hand. You know, if you picture yourself, I don't know if you have a pet and you, you know, you get your little treat and sometimes you play that game where you, you know, you close the little treat up in your fist and you hold both of them out and one has the treat in it and one doesn't. And you're, you're waiting for your pet to sniff out which one it is. And if they touch the hand, you know, with their little paw or whatever happens to be, and you open it up and you hold it out and it's like, here, take it. If you want it, take it. And of course, if it's a little treat and you have a dog like mine who's food obsessed, he's going to like gobble that treat up so fast. And he's going to be so excited and happy. You need to do that with your ideas. You need to like be careful who you're like offering them to. But then when somebody is like, yeah, this is the person. It's like, show me, tell me about it. I w I'm going to treat it like it's an infant, you know. You need to open it and hold it in an open-handed way that says, here it is, you know? And if you try your best and it doesn't work out, you're going to be okay. 
we're going to learn from those experiences. That's the whole thing about um, sharing our our struggles and our failures with other people. I know as much as anybody out there, it's we want to share our successes. We want to share, you know, I had this incredible tour. Oh, I, I took this risk and it so paid off. I, I made this phone call. Like, we want to have great stories, and I hope you do, you know. I hope I do. We want that. But then in between those peaks... If you're any kind of a sojourner, if you're on any kind of a journey worth talking about, there's going to be peaks and there's going to be valleys. There's going to be struggles and there's and failures and you're going to fall down and want to give up. And there's going to be days when you get up and you're so unbelievably resolved in your heart and your soul that nothing will keep you down. Like you don't get to that point without falling a whole lot. Uh, I, I just recently, I was thinking about how many times there have been years in my journey where I remember writing um, hundreds and hundreds of emails, like sending emails, drafting an email. This is what I do. And this is how I could like help your school. Um, here's my schedule. And, and I'd love to call you. Let me know when I could call you a good time, any time that's convenient for you. Just let me know. I'll be happy to give you a call then. I was just being super positive. And I just put myself out there over and over and over again. And I remember hundreds of emails and I got two responses and only one of them turned into a phone call and that school didn't book me anyway. And I remember just like just getting up every single day and I've been rejected three, 400 times yesterday or ignored and I got to do it again today. And I got to do it again tomorrow, all week long. And then, I, and I remember finally, you know, it was September this one year, and I, I had just finished this incredible week in a school. Like they almost always are, uh, which has been my frustration. It'd be one thing if it was like hit and miss when I went to schools. But when every time I actually get my foot in the door and I'm able to get in front of a class or an entire school, man, we have an incredible time. And the response from the teachers and the staff and the students and the parents and the administration is usually overwhelmingly positive. And wow, this is a fantastic week. And this has so far exceeded our expectations. So that was one of those weeks. And I went into the principal's office on Friday. We just finished our assembly. And I said, you got five minutes. Can we talk to you? And I shut the door and we sat down and I said, uh, I sent out like 600 emails and you're the only school that booked me. And you just said, this was an amazing week and whatever. Like, what can you tell me? What am I doing wrong? Why will nobody get back to me? Why can't I get my foot in the door? Or, or what do I need to say that I'm not saying? Or like, why'd you book me? And uh, I really appreciate this. This principal just like drop right into it. He said, well, Rick, have you ever had somebody recommend a movie to you? And you, you go watch the movie, you know, on their recommendation of your friend or whatever. And you're just like, what? a terrible movie. This sucks so bad. And he's like, and you're like, why would anybody recommend this movie? And he's like, it doesn't matter if your website or if your email has 20 recommendations from other uh, principals or administrators. If I don't know them, 
it could be like that. They could be recommending, you could be the movie that they're recommending, and I would like book you and just be like, well, this was terrible. So he said, you know what I'd do if I was you? I'm in his, I'm in his city, and he's like, if I was you, I'd drive across town after school today, and I'll go to this school. Because that school is the arts school. They're known for being about arts and everything that you do. And I would walk in and say, can I talk to you for five minutes and say, I'm over at this school this week. You know Dave, right? So if you have any questions at all, Dave said he'd be happy for you, you know, to talk to you if you want to give him a call. And he's like, I would just make it like that. And you know what I, I did? Packed up my stuff, been rejected 600 freaking times, drive across town, walk in with a smile on my face, thinking, well, how is this supposed to work? Sit down with the principal, this is what I do, I'm over here, and they're like, you know what, that sounds amazing. And they booked me. And it went to the next school, and then it went to the next school, and it was this really slow process um, of finding, but I'm telling you that story because to get where I am at right now, the amount of rejection, you know, every once in a blue moon, I will have an idea, pitch an idea, and I've shared some of them in the in the course of this podcast, and will continue to share, like the Kosovo one, I heard that there was the uh, you know, we, we were doing art, Tribe of One's got art, dancers painting on the stage, and there's dancers, and there's musicians, and when we saw that, you know, NATO was bombing Serbia, and they were, you know, bombing Kosovo, and they were, you know, trying to liberate the Albanian people, and we saw this huge two, three hundred, four hundred thousand people, refugees across the border in Macedonia, and they were describing, you know, among other things, just how boring a refugee camp is, how there's nothing to do. And we were just like, well, what if we could go and do concerts in the evening and during the day? What if we could be doing dance workshops and, and have some painting supplies and do painting and stuff with the kids? And maybe we could have some instruments or some music and we could be jamming and playing with people. Maybe there'd just be some thing. Maybe you could bring some sort of light and and joy and, and excitement even into the darkest place. And so I applied to the Canadian government under a, a pilot project for a children in armed conflict, and I found the grant, and I, it takes a long time to write those types of grants and, and to find the right person and to tweak it, and you usually have to revamp it and everything else like that. But, you know, there's one of those examples of I took all of the time put together this pilot project, pitched it to the Canadian government, and they said yes, and uh, months later, we end up on the other side of the world having this experience. Between then and the next time I actually had a grant work out, I mean, I probably submitted 20 or 30 grants for all sorts of different projects and albums and tours and whatever, and got rejected and rejected and rejected. And you have to learn that somebody rejecting the creative potential of your idea does not necessarily mean that they are rejecting you. And it certainly doesn't have anything to do with evaluating the value of you as a creative person, as you as an individual, or even your idea. Sometimes it's not the right moment. Sometimes it's not the right place or the people involved. Uh, it's that sense of resiliency that, uh, that we come from pursuing 
the creative potential of our ideas and, and, uh, and yeah, and just being good. I don't know. The word that pops into my mind right now is stewards to be good stewards of that. You know, um, I, I live in, in Lekwungen territory here on Vancouver Island in the city of Victoria. And, uh, if you live in this city with me or, and, and if you had over the last decade, there's been this fascinating, um, experience where we, we have a maritime climate there's rarely snow here and there obviously would be rain but hey you know it's a pretty mild climate you could ride a bike on dry or you know clear pavement virtually every day of the year and we're on this little peninsula so everything's kind of like jammed together and uh so the mayor and council and whoever, you know, at the city started to initiate the development of like really investing in cycling infrastructure, you know, the, the kind of uh, separated bike lanes and the network that would not just paint a line in the middle of traffic and where you're, you feel like you're taking your life in your hands because all these, you know, Ford 350s are flying by, uh, you know, at uh, 70 kilometers an hour, like actually divided lanes with the infrastructure that makes it safe and, and networks of trails going, you know, we, we've ridden all the way out to the ferry, which is about, if you were driving, it would be uh, half an hour away. You can drive, to, you can ride your bike uh, on, on all of these trails to all over, just like 60 kilometers, you know, in all these different directions. It's absolutely amazing. And you'd think everybody would be on board with the creative potential of what this idea will ultimately produce for the residents of this area. It will make cycling and living even car-free um, actually uh, doable and realistic. Uh, and all of the people like little children, families with little kids older people, people that would never dare venture out on a, just a painted line on the side, dodging potholes and garbage and rocks and vehicles. Um, so you'd think everybody would be behind it, but they weren't. I think many people were, but there was a whole um, backlash. Mostly you saw it on social media, and maybe you've seen this in some um, aspect of, of development in your city or country or area or industry, um, the pushback that comes from, sometimes it's nimbyism, you know, not in my backyard. Sometimes it's like, uh, that's different, that's whatever, I don't like that. Sometimes the people, and, and they'll come up with all kinds of arguments, but really what it boils down to is some of these public ideas you have to take the you have to start investing in the in the creative potential of certain ideas in public before people can see the end result and and that was certainly what happened in this city so it was fascinating to see years of just this slog of watching the mayor and council and people at the city pushing through their investment in the creative potential of a cycling infrastructure, like a world-class infrastructure. And 
always, every post online would have 20 or 30 just vitrolic, you know, responses. People just screaming bloody murder and you're an idiot and this is the stupid worst thing and this is terrible and whatever. And they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Pretty soon a lane opens up and then this lane opens up and then there's that kind of a thing. And then this gets developed a bit. Then something amazing happened. There's enough kind of critical mass. There's enough trails. There's enough open roads that the network is really out there. And people are able to experience it. And I watched kind of, you know, from my vantage point in just as a resident of the area, um, I watched those vitrolic responses dwindle, get less and less and less and less until it was more like one or two diehards would be complaining about it. Everybody else was celebrating it. And I realized in that moment, there are so many people that cannot imagine what this idea could be. You're, you're saying, we could do something we've never done before. And in, if you're somebody like me, that's an exciting way to start. You, you want me to get in on your idea? You want me to be excited about your idea? Say that. I have this idea. Um, nobody's ever seen it before. Maybe nobody's ever done it before. Nobody in, in this area has ever experienced this before. Man, you got me. What are we talking about? I'm excited because I love creative potential. I love the ideas. And because that's my life, I'm able to see past, is this an infant idea? I can, I can evaluate it as such. Is it like a toddler idea? Is it a teen idea? Or is it an adult idea? Wherever you're at in the stage of development, I, as a creative person and producer, can appreciate where we're at and see what needs to happen. But I realize for a lot of people, they can't until it's there, until they can experience it. And some, I'm sure, many of the people who were so vocally against this biking infrastructure in the city have come on board and once you get out there and you realize how easy it is and how you don't have to like look around for parking or pay for parking and how it's so easy to just roll up to a building and tie your you know chain your bike up and go inside your back out and your home before you even know it and now with e-bikes and everything else that's going on it's such an exciting time but anyways i realized through that experience that sometimes you know you and your little collection of whoever your safe, supportive place is and your community that's there to help you develop the creative potential into an actual creative idea that changes your life, that, uh, that serves you and whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Sometimes, you know, you got to band together and you just got to put your head down and plow ahead because that is the only way forward. You know, uh, there's always going to be those people that want to like hang on to the same old, same old status quo way of doing things. And uh, there's nothing we can really do about that. You know, there's nothing you can do about them. You can't tell anybody what to do. You can't convince anybody that's like that. Um, but you can honor the creative potential that you feel for yourself and your ideas and the things that you want to work on that you know uh, give you life, make you excited to get up, make you pursuing it. So, you know, sometimes on this 
show, I'm interviewing people like Natalie Diaz, who was coming up with an idea as a teacher. If you haven't seen that episode, you know, she just followed her gut and uh, came up with a solution to engaging her uh, middle school age class. Uh, talking to uh, Hunter McKay, you know, the VP of a, of a school and, and how he was sharing, you know, all of the ways that they have to find um, creative solutions to community building. And sometimes I, I just remember from that episode, I just remember how the the infrastructure of their actual new school, it's one of the newest schools in his city, and they created it without um, a real staff room without, you know, physical location and a place where that kind of relational community between teachers and staff and everybody else uh, worked and would come together. So it was like, how did they face that challenge? And and uh, he was full of great stories. So whatever your industry happens to be in, whatever your skill set happens to be, this is the whole point of being creative, you know, really uh, believing in our talents and our gifts and our abilities and our education and our experience and whatever that happens to be for you. It is unique. It makes you uniquely qualified to face the challenges that are in your life, uh, personally and professionally and whatever. And so trust your gut. Uh, find that person, that one or two people that you can learn to uh, share these ideas in their infancy where somebody's not judging it like an adult. And you, you know what? I was just pitching a, a TV show speaking about all the the rejection and the things I do, uh, a week or so ago, I was pitching a TV idea, a show for a TV show that I, oh my God, I was pitching the idea for a TV show to a producer. And I know that sometimes people are showing up with a, an adult idea. Here's my one pager. Here's my pitch deck. Here's my, you know, maybe even a pilot, you know, something that they can really show. And the minute we got on that FaceTime and said, hi, how you doing? Good to meet you. Blah, da, 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 da. I just said right off the bat, this isn't a pitch. The, the idea is not developed. I'm reaching out to you to talk to you because I'm needing that safe place. I didn't say all this. I'm using the, the language that I've developed here in this episode. But I was just like, I'm, I need a sounding board. I need somebody. I know you've produced uh, documentaries and I know you've worked on shows. And I think this my idea might, you know, be interesting to you. But here it is. But I just want to be clear right up front. I'm not pitching you an adult idea. I'm pitching you, you know, a toddler kind of a thing. And she was just like down with it because she knows that too. But it was really... Um, you learn to be really clear sometimes to say, to set the expectation. Um, I know I, I like, I'm working on another idea. And sometimes when I start talking about that one, I'm like, I'm going to give you two ideas that are solutions to these problems. And probably both of these ideas have 10 questions each that I don't know the answer to. So sometimes people are just like, but what about that? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, what about this? I also don't know about this either. You know, those having questions, having concerns, <laughs> having doubts, having things that you don't know doesn't disqualify the potential value uh, or the value of your uh, creative potential, right? So 
if you have an experience of your own in whatever industry or, or whatever you're working on, whatever your organization is, if you ever want to throw out an idea, comment on the show, drop me an email, do whatever you want, that, I'd be fan- that'd be fantastic. You know, a lot of people along the way have invested in my ideas. You know, they're, sometimes they're like, that'll never work. And not because it's just an infant idea, like, here's why that won't work. And I, I appreciate as much as those kind of uh, moments suck, because you're all excited about this idea. It's also great for somebody to say, no, 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 I get, I get why you're excited about it. And I, I get why you think it could work. But here's why it actually couldn't. And it just keeps you from uh, investing more hope and energy into something that eventually won't go anywhere. You know, I love that expertise when somebody can come and say, yeah, 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 I, I really get why this is cool and why, why you're excited, but this is why it won't work. I love those people that are honest enough. Uh, I've often said, you know, people, they're going to talk one way or the other. They're going to talk behind your back or they're going to talk to your face. And the easiest thing, if you're pitching somebody and, you, you know, you've developed a sense of trust or safety or security or support, if you uh, share an idea with somebody and they're, on, they're willing to be honest with you, tell you why it wouldn't work, why they don't think it would work, or why you really need to maybe go back to square one and start all over again, if somebody's willing to give you constructive criticism and input, you need to value that person uh, because people are going to talk one way or the other. And it's way easier for somebody to go, oh, yeah, Rick, that sounds great. You should do that, you know, and then go away and I leave the room and then they say to somebody else, Rick has the dumbest idea. It's never going to, you know what I mean? Uh, if somebody's willing to to respectfully interact with your idea and give you some feedback, that's hard. That's hard for them, particularly if it's uh, if it's not what you want to hear. This is going to be a whole other episode of like identifying, you know, the people who are criticizing and the people who are critiquing. Those are two completely different uh, experiences in the creative world. But uh, to keep this little episode manageable, I was just wanting to say, if you have any ideas, you ever want any input, you want to share what your experience is, or if you have a great story, or maybe you'd like to be interviewed on a future episode, please drop me, drop me an email, drop me a line, let me know, leave a, a comment in the uh, episode, because uh, we're all in this together, creative people, creative uh, creatives. We have to, uh, yeah, find those people who are going to support and encourage and energize us and empower us and uh, help us move forward in all of the best ways. And I want to do that for as many people or twice as many people that have done it for me, you know, just to keep that positive energy and momentum moving. So wherever you're at, Whatever you're doing this week, whatever ideas um, you've uh, got in the hopper, um, I just bless you to keep going. Don't give up no matter what, because being creative, it's a mindset. It's a lifestyle. It's one that produces um, an energy that empowers resiliency and and the confidence that we each need to face the challenges that life throws at us. And when we do that, 
that process of facing those challenges. It creates momentum, and that's what we all need. So I hope you're inspired and able to relate to today's episode. Uh, Leave a comment or ask a question, and always remember, you are capable of infinitely more than you give yourself credit for. So until next time.